Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Hey, will you join me in standing? We're going to read the word as we begin. And as you're doing that, I want to say uh, just thank you. Uh, many of you are, are noticing um, we are growing in a wonderful way. And there's a little bit of space at the 9 a.m. service. There is no space at 1045, and there's good space at 1230. And we, we get in, in Sundays, and we have these moments where um, our biggest pain point in, in all of this is parking. And so uh, we're doing our best, and I would just like to say thank you. We've had uh, the number of fights has drastically reduced in the parking lot. Y'all are such good Christians. Just the measure of middle fingers is way down. Like it's incredible. <laughs> no, but thank you. You know what that means is that that God is entrusting this house. You're not just entrusting me. He's entrusting this house with people that we would be a healing place pointing people to Jesus. And so we're going to open our hearts to Jesus today, allow him to move in our hearts as only he can, and then this wonderful reflection comes out of us, pointing those around us to the place of healing and restoration and purpose that Jesus alone holds. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, I'm going to read from where we left off last week in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says to you, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory... We must also share his suffering. I want to read Galatians 4 as well. Galatians 4 says this in verse 5. God sent him, meaning Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his own very children, or his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Come on, let's bring our hearts to the Lord. Father, right now, we receive the work of your spirit. Lord, you've been drawing us and working in our lives. And Lord, this is a wonderful moment where, Holy Spirit, you prompt the cry of Abba from our hearts. Lord, a recognition of the intimacy that we have been invited to. And so, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be filled with courage today. Lord, that we wouldn't allow religion to keep us from the intimacy that you've called us to. We worship you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Well, it's been a great week. Ann and I, we try to take time at the beginning of every year and, and just get time with the two of us. And so we got a few days this week 
and uh, got to, to be on a beach and doing a bunch of nothing. And I will tell you, time alone with Anna is not overrated. <laughs> it is awesome. And so my parents had, had the quads and Chantel and had, had the older two. And so we, we, just, we just had a great week. And um, it was wonderful. And then you come home and everything's wonderful again there too. <laughs> but it's nice to have a little vision. I'll tell you, it's nice to have this thought like, whoa. In a few years, we're going to get to have this time together all the time. I'm not mad about that. All right, my kids are watching, so guys, listen. We're going to have great times together. Mom and I, we love you. We're going to move on. I don't want to create any more father wounds that we're talking about healing father wounds. Uh, can I tell you a story about a dad fail that, that I had? So last week we bre you know, breached into this talking about how all of us have earthly fathers and, and earthly fathers have all this in common. We're imperfect. And so in some measure or another, there are wounds that, that uh, sometimes that happen in every child's heart because of the imperfections of earthly fathers. And so I want to share one of uh, mine. Again, this happened at Disney World. It's funny that the, that the happiest place on earth somehow housed some of these moments for me. So Anna and I, when we got married, we had uh, some, some people that, that gifted us. We didn't have money for a honeymoon. And so we were gifted plane tickets. We were gifted uh, a hotel stay and we got to go to Disney. So uh, 21 years ago, Anna and I were in, in Southwest Florida staying and getting time together and it was awesome. And so we got a couple days at Disney. And one of the rides that, that we just, we love going on it just kind of stuck in our memory was the Aerosmith ride. And it was just, it's a fast coaster. It's great. And so when we went with the kids, I was like, guys, mom and I rode this on our honeymoon. We got to ride this. And so our older two, Zoe and Caitlin, they were the only ones that were tall enough to ride it. And, and Caitlin was a little trepidatious at that point, And she was like, dad, I'll ride it, but it doesn't have any loops, right? And honestly, I didn't remember it having any loops. And so I think the words were something like, well, I'm about 90% sure it doesn't, Caitlin. I, I don't think so. I think it's just fast and it's got some big drops, drops and ups and downs. And yeah, it doesn't have any loops. Well, it definitely has a loop. <laughs> and so we get on the ride and I'm, it's the three of us. So I'm sitting in the, the seat in front of them and the two of them are behind me. And so through the line, she's asking like, dad, this doesn't have any loops, right? And I'm like, yeah, no loops. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. You're going to do great. Well, the ride starts and you literally take off. And the first thing that you go into is a loop. <laughs> and so about halfway through the loop, I hear my daughter's voice behind me going, you're a liar. <laughs> and she didn't stop the whole ride. You lied to me. <laughs> How could you lie to me? And so we pray healing for Caitlin's heart that she'd be able to trust her father again. So I, I share these funny stories, but the reality is that, that we all have these places of wounding that God's perfect father heart is the source of healing for. And his heart is to, to step in to our lives and to heal those places so we do not live with lies shaping the way that we see each other, 
that we see our spouses, that we see our jobs, that our identity, the, the root place of where we live from, is one that is received from the Father. So we're going to continue in that. And in Luke chapter 15, I said last week, this is our homework. And, and we really talked about how going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, seeing God as Father in the intimacy of Abba, not just simply distant, a fathering figure that is out there and somehow responsible for creation, but unattached and distant, but a step in to intimacy where God's Spirit meets with our spirit, prompting this desire of a call saying, Abba, I need the intimacy of knowing you, being with you. And so, old to new, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father. Jesus steps into humanity, and 165 times and more, he says he is Father. When he teaches about giving, he says, hey, do it so your, your, your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. Don't do it for the approval of others. Don't do it for the comparison of others. Your father who sees in secret, he sees and he rewards. When he's talking about prayer, he says, hey, don't do it for the, the impression of other people. Don't, don't do it so you, you, you look more spiritual than other people. Go to a secret place be alone with your father and your father who hears in secret will meet you in that place, will hear your prayers. And so he, he, he carries this burden. And in Luke chapter 15 is this beautiful picture of the father's love. And we talked last week about the father's heart. And this is a place that is worth fighting for. And that Jesus stepped into humanity and he won the fight that you and I could not win so that we would know how to fight for the right things. And so we are fighting and we entitled this series, Making Room, so that you and I could open our hearts to the Holy Spirit saying, God, what are the places that I am and moved by your spirit to make room for your work in my life? This is one of the, the, foundat, uh, the foundational places of making room is allowing God to meet us as Father. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 starts this way. And I, and I love how it starts. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. What a beautiful picture. Who, who do we have there? We have people that are honest with their brokenness. We have people that, that, that know, like, I'm rejected by religion. But there's something about this guy that draws me. There's something about the way that he looks at me. There's something about the way that he talks about God. There's something about him that draws me. And so you have tax collectors that are viewed as betrayers of their own people. And, and then the word says notorious sinners. What does that mean? That means we got a reputation. And so it's people with a reputation that are drawn to Jesus, saying, I, I, I'm going to trust to believe what he's saying is true and that God views me the way that this man says that he views me. Jesus takes Luke chapter 15 and he, he speaks three main parables. A parable is just simply a Greek word of a story that is thrown alongside a truth so that we can understand it better. 
And, and, and he, so the first two are, are this, this breach into understanding the value that God sets on you and I. Jesus said that you and I are like lost sheep and the father is a shepherd and it says that he views us with such value that he's willing to leave the 99 to search after and find the one. And so notorious sinners and tax collectors are, are just face to face with this reality. My goodness, God is a father like that? Like he, he's not just here for the religious people? He, he would pursue me? He sees me that way. He set value on me that way. And again, he goes in. So you have the parable of the lost sheep. And then he goes into the parable of the lost coin. And he says, he tells a story about a, a woman that loses a coin. And, and I love this because uh, this is one of the, the wonderful attributes of Anna D that, that I love. If Anna loses something, we're shutting down. Like, we're, we're not moving. We just got back, and, and we're unpacking our suitcases and everything, and she's like, hey, where's my blue swimsuit? Like, I am the source of this great information. <laughs> like, what about you knowing me for 22 years would tell you I'm good at this part? And, and so, but I know at that point, like, we're not moving on until we find that swimsuit. How many of you are like that? If you lose something, you're like that. Come on, you're a safe place. You're in church. You can, you can. Okay. Well, here's the, we, we all are. Now, how cool is that, that every single one of us can go like, hey, where did that come from? Is that just a, a personality trait? No, that, that is something that points back to the Father because that's how he views us. When we're lost, when we're out there, he says, I'm shutting it down. I will do everything I need to do to find that which is lost. So Jesus tells this story. He says the woman, she, she moves the furniture in her house. She's doing everything she can to find. And then when she finds the lost coin, she rejoices. And so tax collectors, notorious sinners are hearing that the Father views them this way. Jesus is setting value. And he does that because he, he wants and has to establish this with you and I. That before we get to the prodigal son and, and the parable of the prodigal son, we get to this place where, where you and I are going to make room today to receive the gifts of the father. So we have the heart of the father. Jesus is saying, as a lost sheep, you're pursued by the father. As a lost coin. You guys hear that? We'll just wait a minute. If you're watching online, there's an alarm going off in the back. Hey, I think we're good. <laughs> so he establishes this value because he knows, and I want you to hear me with this. If your identity is rooted in something that you have achieved and not received, it will corrupt the way that you see one another. If your identity is in something that you have earned and worked for, you have achieved it by your striving, by your good works, that you've achieved identity as a son of God or a daughter of God because he saw you and you were just special. You knocked out five days in a row of your Bible reading and he just could not believe that you did so good. And so he's going to bless you and pour his favor on you. If we view our identity with him as something that we have achieved and not simply received, it corrupts the way that we see each other and see our lives. And so he begins with this, the value of the Father, and then he steps into this place 
of the prodigal son, and he says, I'm going to tell you about the father. And so I want to give you the, the, the high points from that, and we'll, we'll uh, dive into the gifts that the father gives. So let's go from, from Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, the value that God sees, that has on you and I, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, your sh- I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his two sons. And so you have an older and a younger. The way that this worked, the older received two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger received one-third. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living or prodigal living. And it's just simply living without restraint. Everything was yes. Every desire of his heart he pursued. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. So I I want you to to hear in this family-centric patriarchal uh, society, the culture that this was received, this is the most disgraceful story that they could hear. Not only does this guy disgrace his father's name, dishonor him by demanding his inheritance, but he goes, and and remember, he is speaking speaking to a Jewish crowd, and the most uh, just this, um, the most blatant picture of being unclean from the Old Testament that they knew is pigs. Like they weren't you, like you and I. They they did they weren't free from the law, and so they didn't know anything good about barbecue ribs. <laughs> so pigs simply meant unclean. And so as they're hearing this, notorious sinners and tax collectors are having this reality, like, oh, that's bad. That's real bad. And so this is where Jesus paints this picture. And then he says this, the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now has been returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. A couple of things I want to note as we get into these three gifts that the father gave. One, I think it's very interesting that the son had this this perspective of where I go is a hired hand. That's the safe place for me. That that that's I, I can I can see my future that way. And then I think it's worth noting that that he also in his prepared speech that the father wonderfully ignores and interrupts 
he says, I'm no longer worthy, insinuating that at a certain time he was worthy. And the father interrupts all of that and kind of just talks over him and says, you're home. And this is what I have for you. And so he gives him three gifts. And I I really want to zero in and finish our time today on these three gifts. Because these are the places that father wounds will keep us from receiving and will keep us in this continual place of striving to achieve these things rather than just simply receive them. The first thing that he says is get a robe. The first gift that he has for this son. And isn't it interesting that he didn't say like, all right, we're headed to the car wash. You have come straight from the most unclean place that our culture has. And so before we put this robe on you, before I get the finest robe that we have, we're going to clean you up. He doesn't say any of that. What does he do? He says, get the finest robe. And he robes his son, clothes him with the finest that he has. How amazing is that? Throughout Scripture, we see robes uh, directly connected with this word that we know, righteousness. This is a, a, a place of right standing. This statement that the Father gives is, hey, without you being cleaned up, without we, me washing and, and making sure that this robe is okay to be set on your shoulders, I am placing my righteousness that you would know you are in right standing with the Father. Disgraced to embrace like that. Disgrace to to being restored positionally that everybody would know that guy is in good with his father. I don't know what happened. I don't know how he said he was sorry. But somehow that guy is wearing a robe of righteousness. He is now in right standing. Restored relationship with his father. Isaiah 61 says this, I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. So the the hearers of, of this parable would have known immediately that this son has been restored positionally. That the father said all your uncleanness, everything that, that your, your disgraceful living is now covered by my righteousness that I am giving you. You're not earning it. You didn't achieve this. This is something that is simply received. This, this is the, the place of receiving the value that God has set on you and I. This is the place that that, that question in our hearts that the father wound would say, Am I valuable? Am I enough? This is where it is healed. When we positionally say, God, I don't fully understand it, but I receive the righteousness that you have gifted me by placing my faith in Jesus Christ. Somehow you have said, you've looked at the brokenness of my life and said, you are righteous by faith in me. It's a gift. It's not a place that we earn. It's a gift. 
I'm so thankful that, that God's Spirit moves in this way and he, he doesn't strap us to, to the hood of a spiritual car and take us through a car wash to clean us up before he allows his work to happen in our lives. That he declares us holy, he declares us righteous by faith in Jesus. So the father begins in this place and then he moves to this other place. He says, I have a ring, get a ring for him. So what do we see there? Well, you see a ring as a symbol of authority given. You go back in, in Genesis when Joseph comes from the prison and is moved to, to the highest place next to Pharaoh. What does Pharaoh give him? He gives him a ring so he carries the authority of Pharaoh. Think about the trust that's extended here. The Father said, I'm clothing you with righteousness. You are now in right standing with me, and I'm putting a ring on your finger so that you can go live my purposes for your life, that you can live from my heart with this authority. Like, what trust is extended there? It's amazing. You know where we see the corruption of this is where we get in these places where if we are not rooted in that first place of a robe of righteousness that is received, not achieved, then positions and places of authority become identity places for us. You know, this last week, Anna and I, we were in, in uh, this, at this missions conference, and it, it was great. You, we had, we'd have dinners together at night, but in the day, it was just beach time and, and just good time together. And so we get together at night, and, and you kind of just sit in different places. So you're meeting, you know, different pastors across the nation. And, and one of the things that happens, because you'd think like, oh, man, that, you know, a pastor's deal, it would be free from that kind of insecurity. Nope. And I'd be at a table, and, and sooner or later, the conversation would go to this place of like, so, so how big is Ocean Church? I said, oh, Ocean Church is awesome. Great people. It's amazing. We love the people God's called us to. Oh, okay, that's great, that's great. So what do y'all run on Sundays? And you, you're immediately in this, this place where, where insecurity wants to go like, hey, hey, how good are you at what you do? And I love messing with all of that. Like the Lord has freed me from a, this wonderful place of striving. Look, I'm raising six kids and I got a beautiful wife that I want to finish my life well with. And so, y'all, this is the Lord's work. I release it to him every Sunday. Y'all are too much for me. <laughs> so I'm in that place like, well, Jesus, you can grow or shrink the church. I'm going to keep my heart right and keep Anna happy and raise my kids right. And sometimes we get in these environments and nobody knows what to do with that. Like, okay, okay, well, I, you know, Josh, like, do you, have, do you have more than one campus? Oh, we got great people. <laughs> great people. And then they just quit. And I'm like, all right, good. So Ann and I can go get about our time now. These places of insecurity, we, if we do not allow the Father to heal these places, we will search and strive for identity in places that are not safe and stable to build our lives on. So then we get in positions and we can't see each other the way that God sees us. And so we get in these places of authority where might makes right. Instead of I'm in this place 
for the purpose of God in your life. And the heart of Jesus says, when he walks into a room, it isn't here I am, it's there you are. This is where he frees us. The last thing that, that the Father gives, well, let me say this about authority as well. You know, I see this with Brooks. If we do not have a Father that, that we, we wrestle with in hard things, and test the strength of our life. One of, the, one of my responsibilities with Brooks is to wrestle with Brooks. Brooks is in, in a, at a wrestling camp, and so he has this weekly practice, and, and it's so funny, every week he comes home and it's like he thinks, I've learned the move that's gonna beat Dad. <laughs> so I pick him up and he's like, oh, Dad. Get ready, I learned a high C today, Dad. You're going down. You know why abuse happens? Because boys haven't had safe places to test their strength. They haven't had a father that looks at them and says, that strength is given to you by God and this is what it's given for. It's given for protection. It's given so that you're a safe place. And so the, these cycles of perpetuating abuse happen because there's not a father's voice to say, hey, come on, I want to feel that strength. Ooh, like I have great memories. And I was raised by a dad that, that wrestled. Dad wrestled for the Navy. He wrestled in college. And I saw a bunch of wrestlers, and I was like, I don't want my ears to look like that. I think I'll play basketball. <laughs> And my brother, he's a stud wrestler, and so, look, I got beat on a lot. <laughs> but I have these, these memories and these moments that stay with me uh, of wrestling with Dad and, and, and pushing and, and testing my strength in a safe place. The father tells the son, he's like, here's, here's my ring of authority. I trust you with the strength that I've given you. This last place are the shoes. And I love this. You know what those shoes speak to? And culturally, slaves did not have, servants did not have shoes because they were always coming back to the house. They, they were always coming back. Shoes were a sign of like, you're going on mission and you have everything you need. I trust you with the purpose that I have for your life. And you know what has to happen in our lives? Many of us, we have shoes, but they're shoes of our purpose. They're shoes of how we think our lives should be. And what our hearts need is a head-to-head -head with the Father who is so holy and so incredible and so powerful that, that our response is to remove our shoes. What happens with Moses when he comes to the burning bush? God speaks to him and says, remove your shoes. You are on holy ground. Lay down the purpose of your life. Would you trust me with what I have for you? And this son is face to face with the reality that the father's not okay with him as a hired servant. And I want you to hear that today. The father's not okay with that.
He's not okay with you living as a hired servant going like, God, it's okay. I've messed up a lot. And so what I'll do is I'll do some really good stuff for you. You tell me whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And, and, and so when I do it, then, then we'll know that I'm good and, I, and you can trust me. And he's got a robe and he's got a ring and he's got shoes. Jesus says a number of times, these beautiful words, Galatians chapter 4, we hear this, you're no longer a slave but God's own child. Jesus says in John 8, 35, a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. And these are the, the wrestles that we have that God wants to settle. Some of you may have grown up in traditions and churches where it was like you had to get saved every week in order for you to know that your heart was secure with the Lord. What's happening there? There's a, there's a father wound, an instability, an insecurity of have I done enough? And Jesus said the Father is asking you to lay all that down, receive his robe, receive his ring, and receive his shoes. That's where we live from. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're online, I'd like to ask you, open your heart, ask, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? a beautiful thing when we open our hearts to the Lord in these places because fear has no place to go. Fear cannot take root when we know ourselves as valued by the Father, robed in His righteousness, given the authority of the name of Jesus and shoes that live and bring peace everywhere they go. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Let's just ask Him. Just sit with Him. Lord, what are the places that I've rejected and kept you from giving the gifts that you have for me? Every week, we're going to ask the Lord. We're going to bring our hearts to Him. From this place, maybe these are places that have kept you from receiving Jesus as Lord, that you've never received Him. You've had a mentality of a hired servant. God, I, I just want to just stack up some good days with you so that, that I know that I'm good for you. And maybe today the Lord's saying, I'm asking you to lay all that down. There aren't enough good days. Lay it down. Receive my righteousness. So Holy Spirit, we bring you our hearts today. We ask that you would fill these moments. Lord, I pray that, that courageously we would respond to you. Thank you for how you love us. Lord, thank you that you see us as a lost sheep. You see us as a lost coin. Lord, I pray that our hearts would stop arguing with that. That God, that we would step out of striving Lord, and step into that beautiful place of receiving what you have for us as your sons and your daughters. We worship you for it, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida. 